Welcome, America. Welcome back to the Loftus Party. What a show. What a show. Big things have been happening, and we're going to get you caught up. We're very happy this week. It's always a great week. Some weeks better than others. But, of course, we've got Andrew Apple. Don't we, Andrew? Yes. Uh, from Live from Los Angeles. Yes. Uh, sh- shalom. Shalom, everyone from Los Angeles. Shalom. Shalom from Los Angeles. And oh, this is when I wish we had a big music drop. This is when I wish we had that big intro music, something wonderful, drop the bass. The return of uh, the Liberty Gypsy. She's back <laughs> and better than ever. Uh, straight, straight out of her fortune-telling caravan. <laughs> straight out of the Lennox. caravan. Yep, yep. In the middle of a forest fire. Yeah, you guys, you said you have fires down there. It's funny that, like, you, that, that, like, it's a thing with the the whole Liberty Gypsy camp. Ooh, there's a forest fire. It's so, living in Los Angeles for so many years, it's just like blase, blase. Like, yep, the world's on fire. What do you guys want to get for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, here it's causing endless sinus troubles and kind of some eyes watering and going, wow. But the coolest part was the super moon turned bright red as a result. That's so, that's got to be awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> I was, yeah, I'm totally into the shit like the supermoon. I totally, totally dug it. Is it up yet in Los Angeles, uh, Andrew? It is. We we actually started getting it last night, but I'm looking at it right now out the window, and it looks fantastic. It is gorgeous. It's almost like you want science to figure out a way. Isn't isn't there a way we could do this every night? There's got to <laughs> be a way to figure that out. We can just get some rockets on the moon, push it a little closer. Uh, and I, we'd have a super moon all the time. Hold on, now, now we're getting into Jurassic Park territory. We we we, we may want to <laughs> flag on the play there really quickly before we decide that's a good idea. The moon—it's one of those things where—and I'm I'm way off the I'm way off track, and I apologize. I'm just too excited to, to be on the show to have a show. Um, when I was a little kid, two things really freaked me out about science. When when you find out it's a fact, you find out like your science teacher says this shit's a fact, and you just. You just lose your shit, right? <laughs> like the sun, one day the sun will explode and it'll get so big that it'll swallow up the earth and everything on it will die. Like they should never tell kids that. They should never. I'm not I'm not for like um, banning books or editing history, but they got to stop telling kids that the sun's going to blow up because you, <laughs> you lose your shit. You're like, what the fuck are we doing here? What are we doing here? And they're like, well, it's right? not going to happen for a couple billion years, but I don't give a damn. That one freaked me out. And then the other one that freaked me out is that the moon gets a little farther away uh, every year. Every year. It's like slowly drifting away. I would miss it if it was gone. Well, you know what? You know who else would miss it? Who else? Everyone on the planet. (laughs) Because without the moon, without the moon, the earth would wobble and your seasons would be all messed up. It would totally mess up the atmosphere. Talk about your talk about your uh, climate change. Yeah, there you go. If you want to envision, if you want to envision the earth without a moon, just take a look at Mars. That's what happens to Mars. It wobbles. Yeah. It, oh, it I did not know that. And it's completely, it's kind of predictable, but the seasons are all messed up. You wouldn't be able to grow anything because, you know, there'd be rain and then there'd be snow and then it'd be a desert. It would just be all jacked up. It is, it's one of the reasons I believe in God, uh, to be quite honest. I love it when science points towards God because it is beyond miraculous that we have all this water, all this sunshine, all the ingredients for life, and then uh, God put a little moon there to make sure we didn't wobble. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. 
<laughs> there you go. Well, I All was right, crazy. So we- I was crazy enough to get up at three fifteen this morning to look at the moon. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's not crazy. That's awesome. That's a girl that loves life right there. You know what I try to look at every year? The the meteor shower in August. I love that. The Pleiades meteor shower. That's mm-hmm. spectacular. But you yep. got to get out in the middle of nowhere. You got to be like in uh, the middle of Idaho, sitting in a natural hot spring, holding on to a Heineken, just completely naked. That's the best. Michael, not I the- live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I want to I want to come back to Mars because I have some stuff about Mars and the supermoon and all that good stuff. We got to talk about the big the elephant in the room. You guys, we got to talk about the uh, elephant who goes by the name of Donald Trump. He's in the room. And before before we go any farther, I just want to say this because it's one of those things where you're happy about it. it. I mean, this fact, I called it on the show. I called it on the show. You can go back three episodes uh, it's it's the one where I'm talking in the parking lot from work out here on Long Island, and Andrew, you're like, so what do you think is going to happen? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? I go, I think we might be looking at a Brexit thing. I don't believe the polls. I think we might look at be looking at a Brexit thing. At the time, it was probably just wishful thinking, you know, like whistling in the graveyard. That's certainly how it felt. But however, we called it, called it on the show. Well, yeah, that th- feels yes, we did. Yes, I mean, th- this is definitely a case of to the victor goes the spoils. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let let us – that's a perfect, perfect flipping segue because it doesn't feel like that. I have not been a I have to – I have bitten my tongue more since the election than before the election. Like I am living my life on eggshells because people are so wound up. There's people that I work with that are uh, members of the writing staff. I don't want to go into too much detail here, but they are messed up. Like, like this has jacked up their life. They're like they're not right in the head, and I don't know what they're expecting. Now, first of all, uh, we, I want us all to like share brief election night stories. Like, uh, uh, Stacy, where were you? Where where did you 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 had you probably watched it from the caravan with a bunch of other uh, drunk gypsies? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was the only drunk gypsy there. I was all by myself. Really, uh, I was. Yep, and you know I was talking on social media with some folks. We have a couple of groups, you know that 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 chat quite frequently. But uh, yeah, I was watching and and I saw when it turned. But my biggest concern going into the whole thing. All I wanted, and I was very public about it on election day, please, God, let us keep the Senate in the House because there'll be a check on either of them. Just please, God, let us keep the Senate in the House. So once I was reasonably sure that was happening, I was all good. Well, when did it turn? Here's here's what happened to me. I was in the middle of a giant rewrite. It was myself and two other writers um, and a writer's assistant, and we were we, we had to finish this rewrite. It was very late here. And we're slogging through the script and, and our phones kept going off and it's, you know, Twitter updates and news updates. And this state looks like it's going to go that way. And this one looks and we're just looking around and everyone is just in total disbelief. So when did it turn? What state? What was I, the What was the domino state that finally was like, there's no coming back. Trump's the president. Florida. When uh, when well, Florida started it because he had to get Florida to have any path to victory. And when Florida was taking so long, it became apparent he had a shot at it. But everybody said 
to honestly get a path that made any sense, he had to break the blue wall. And those are those upper Midwest states. So when he took Wisconsin, done. Now, what were your thoughts? Did your heart just sink or or what? Because here's here's what I'm imagining. Here's, here's, here's what I'm imagining, because I, I guarantee, and Andrew and I talked about it on a podcast. I don't know if you actually listen to the show, Stacy. Stacy is our biggest fan. She's. We, I'm a total fan girl. I can't believe I'm so hurt. We discussed. I'm pretty sure you voted for Evan McMullen, who I called I've Evan McMuffin. Been, I've been very public about that. Okay. You're not giving away any secrets. Okay. So you voted for Evan McMuffin. Yes, and I I'm, did. And I'm pretty so you were prepared for Hillary to win. You were like, here we go. And then you were gonna you were gonna be in the the, the coveted I told you so position. No, I it, to me there was no I told you so. I didn't want Hillary Clinton to be president at all. Okay. I, 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 like I said, I I believe in my heart of hearts, and I believed before the election, this is why I got so angry at a certain contingent of Trump supporters going into the election, because they're saying, we're going to vote against you, 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 and you can lose the Senate. I'm like, no, that's a horrible idea. (laughs) Because if Hillary wins, that's a huge problem. And if Trump wins, we still need them. You can't be getting all your great SCOTUS nominees through a Democratic Senate with Chuck Schumer. Have you lost your freaking mind? Now, the way I look at it, it's like quadruple Christmas. First of all, I was t- I was mentally and emotionally prepared for Hillary to win. That's really what I thought was going to happen. There was a piece of me, like the kid, the little kid piece of me that, you know, still believes in, uh, you know, Santa Claus and Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm like, maybe Trump can pull this out. Maybe there's enough people uh, who will band together. Who knows? And and when when Trump won and then uh, the Republican ticket did so well, just down the line, I figured it, people would do that. However, this is too much Christmas right now. We've got the whole shooting match. It's been what, since like 1928 or some craziness before it's been, it'll be Republican controlled everything, which, and I want to say this, I want to say this for the record right here, right now, that is dangerous. Oh, I, what and what a lot of what I'm seeing among some of the more politically active, especially people who early supported Trump, is they want revenge. Elections have consequences. Well, guys, so does what you do after you win. Just calm down. <laughs> All right. And, yeah. and this is what I've been kind of saying in a lot of my writing. Donald Trump is not an ideological conservative, nor is he an ideological Republican. He's a populist. Okay. Look, if you look at what he's doing, right, he's talking about repeal and replace Obamacare. But oh, wait, I think I might keep that till age 26 thing and maybe the pre-existing conditions. Oh, he's totally doing that. He's totally doing that. Very popular components of Obamacare. He's not going to go in and slash and burn the way some of his most ardent supporters believe he is. Even today it's coming out. As far as deportation, it's really just going to be the criminals. We're, we're yeah, not looking at anything yeah. else right now. Yeah. Okay. So before it's we get into policy, I want to – Rhetoric I wanna get, and reality. 
Yes, and we when reality has a way of smacking you upside the head on a daily basis. So before we get into policy, because I want to talk about policy, I want to talk about uh, Steve Bannon and Reince Priebus and yada, yada, yada. I want to hear Andrew's story. Andrew, where did you watch the election? Well, I mean, I was with a, a group of friends, and it, it should come as no surprise based on what I've said on this podcast. The core group that I was with, uh, we saw Hillary as the lesser of two evils in this particular case. Oh, yeah. that's I'm counting on that. I'm counting on, like, the, that. that's your perspective, man. Yeah. So, I mean, just, you know, be, be, being upfront about that, if you want to throw me some hate on Twitter, I'm happy to have an intelligent conversation with you <laughs> about it. Uh, and uh, there was obviously some sadness uh, in uh, among our peer group, you know, followed by everything you would expect, you know, anger, heavy drinking, every stage of depression that you could possibly imagine. And then you get up the next day and the, the stun still rose. Um, did the, you get did do you think any of your friends got like a funeral bang out of it? You know, that when you you go to a funeral and you're all sad and then you look across, and there's a girl and she's all sad. And then you, you do a funeral bang. Uh, you knock boots to try to get yourself out of your funk. I'm, I'm sure that there will be some anti-Trump banging babies that come along in nine months. <laughs> but that did not happen within my peer group. And what uh, are you doing in there? We're making more Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and. What what it quickly turned into was a conversation about uh, – and, and I'm echoing some other people when I say this – is that uh, everyone who saw Hillary as the lesser of two evils was kind of okay drinking the poison. And they're not happy that Donald Trump is running, but obviously no one is rooting for him to fail. Um, Good. Now, simultaneously – and this is just me personally – I wish some of the first things that had happened had gone a little bit differently. Honestly, I do wish that he had gotten the popular vote as well, because the fact that the two of them were split shows that we still have a big divide in this country that we need to have a conversation about. So far, yep. that conversation's not happening. Um, I wish he hadn't given Steve Bannon the David Axelrod role, uh, because he is such a polarizing figure, and I think it would have gone pretty far. Uh, okay, okay. Well, like once again, I'm going to do the same thing to you I did to Stacy before before we get into that because I want to I want to make sure I give that enough time. Did any of your friends freak out? Were there, was there any like weeping? Did anybody like throw any shit? No, no. It it, it wasn't anything like that. Although I should comment, uh, one of the reoccurring themes that you tend to hear is that uh, you know I am a white cisgendered male, and that's a lot of the group of friends that I had there with me. Uh, I'm not worried about me. You know, I mean, white college educated people aren't the ones that. Uh, that need to worry in a Trump administration. That seems to be the regular rhetoric. You know, no no one can come after me and and try yeah. to come after any of my rights. I'm a natural born American citizen. So that's one of the reasons why you're seeing so many in the pantsuit nation who are stepping up uh, that are to some degree, the smart ones are letting white cisgendered people be the spokespeople in this situation. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my ignorance on my sleeve here. What's cisgendered? Cis he likes girls. Uh, so in in the PC universe, uh, cisgendered is the term that you use when you are someone who is born into the right body. So if you are a male who likes females and you believe you are a male, the PC term Andrew, is cisgendered. Andrew, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Like. <laughs> You're like, just a guy. You're a dude. <laughs> As an American dude, 
you're right. I am a dude. I am an American dude. I can't argue <laughs> with you there. Cisgendered. Nothing will make a chick want to fuck you less than describing yourself as cisgendered. Oh, you, you, oh, you, you need to go to some of the parties that no, I go to, no, Michael. Yeah, no. Go to a college campus. Do I have permission to put my hand on your breast? I need. I, I, I would very much like to touch your nipple, please. <laughs> okay, oh so here's what I want to know, and here's what I want. This is what I love about it because I don't know. What, I, I know. I guess I'm a conservative, right? Maybe I'm more libertarian. Maybe I'm less libertarian. Dude, uh, you are such a libertarian, and you don't even know it. That's great. That's great. It's like liking a finger in your ass. You're like, you don't even know you like it until you do it. You just don't even realize it. <laughs> so, Stacey, uh, you're full on uh, libertarian. Andrew, you're on the left. So I want your opinion on this. Why do you think Donald Trump won? Um, Stacey. Oh, no. Andrew's ready to go. Andrew's yeah, locked yeah. and loaded. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely ready to go. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that – in the last eight years, we have had a candidate that ran on change, and there was undoubtedly a lot of change. And the people who feel like they were left behind in this change by the Democrats, the white working class people, they saw Donald Trump as the antidote to that. You know, because and it, it's true. Look at what's happened in the past eight years. We got. Uh, gays in the military, uh, gay marriage became illegal, DACA was a really big uh, piece of the, of the legislation. But uh, a lot of the manufacturing jobs that left from 2001 to 2008 still haven't come back. So when Donald Trump got up and said, I'm going to bring them back, that's something that spoke to people in manufacturing towns. Okay, so that's that's what you think. That's what you think it was. I get you. I get you. Stacy, thoughts on why Donald Trump won? My thoughts on Donald Trump one take a little bit longer than that, but basically, um, I hate the term white working class. People in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and, and Wisconsin work in different industries than they do in L.A. They make stuff that you buy. And yeah. to, like denigrate them with a term like white working class, like there's no black working class or Latino working class affected by the same things. He won more Hispanics and more African-Americans than Mitt Romney did. Now, the other thing I think is there is this section of the country. And if you look at it county by county, it's amazing. In 1980, after Jimmy Carter's disastrous four years where we were standing in lines, you can't even believe to get gasoline in your car. Um, all of those counties voted for Ronald Reagan. They did it twice. Yeah. Now, things started to fall apart. Everybody lived pretty well during Reagan, Bush 1, Clinton, most of Bush 2. There were little dips, but nothing really went off the rails until the end of the Bush administration. All of those same counties voted twice for Barack Obama. Nothing about their life has changed since Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Yeah, they've gone back and forth election after election. I'm talking about the Ohio River Valley. You, Michael, you know where it is. <laughs> the entire Rust Belt. And they want somebody hearing them. And when you start talking about restricting energy, when you start talking about more regulations on companies related to climate change, when you fail to address currency manipulation by China, um, all of those things affect their daily lives and their ability to make a living. And they're going to look to the person that they think understands those issues. Reagan understood them. 
they were feeling the pain at the end of Bush at the end of the Bush era. They voted for Obama. They did it twice. And now they're back to Trump. Those are called swing voters and they're going to swing. Well, <laughs> yeah, who talks about their issues. I think there's merits to what both you guys are saying. However, I think there's a, a much bigger component at work here. I don't think it's simply and I don't think either one of you guys said this, so I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I think it goes beyond like the working class white person voting. Here's what I think happened. I think America woke up and realized what it was like the true spirit of this country. And I've been trying to work this into my stand up bit. America was born on the idea of this is bullshit. I want to move right. The, like the pilgrims, the earliest settlers here, when they were in Europe, they're like, OK, this is bullshit. We should move. And they went to the new world. They settled in America. And then when the, the colony started, they said, this is bullshit. We're going to move. And then they headed west, blah, blah, blah. Americans don't like to take orders. Americans, I believe, are fiercely independent. That's why you still have that, you know, that spirit of the West and, and cowboy shit. It started to feel to me like the government had gotten lopsided. Like the government wasn't being led by the people. The government was telling people, you should do this. Trust us. This is the best way. And it, it became obvious to a lot of people that it wasn't going to work out the best way and that the big government didn't have the answers. And people just were slowly waking up to that. And like the balance of power has to shift for a while, at least into this, because sometimes there's going to be politicians who do no more than the regular Joe, right? That's going to happen. Somebody's going to go, trust me, you guys, seriously, don't put a battery in there. It's going to explode, right? When, <laughs> when all the, the populists are like, put a battery in there. I want to see what happens, right? So you need that. However, you have to have that balance of power, that, that, that shift in terms of, no, you guys work for us. This little social experiment you're running isn't going out it's it's not going down so great. And then the other big thing, two big things that I think that, that happened, the media got caught lying and made people second guess every decision. They're like the media keeps saying this stuff, the, the they keep saying this stuff, but I'm hearing this other stuff. Why isn't the media reporting that? And then you you they got caught in their own lies and their own bullshit and I think that woke a lot of people up. Like I don't know who to vote for now. Because I know these people are lying to me, so I don't want to vote for the person they're lying for. And then the, lastly, I just will say this, it, uh, Hillary was just a s straight up corrupt. There's no way there's no way you can look at that uh, Clinton Foundation like, oh, they were just doing good work. There's no way you can look at that. It, it was just too obvious through WikiLeaks and stuff like that, that that foundation was making way too much money off of, you know, here's a million bucks for your birthday present. Now can I have a meeting with the Secretary of State? That's just corruption. Yeah, and I think I think there's a huge swath of American voters who don't do social media and don't pay quite so much attention to to political reporting that didn't even know what WikiLeaks was. Right. Um, and I'm just I'm just being honest. I I think there was a, a huge swath of of in, of what you're talking about, but even more than that, um, when you take a look at Washington truly believing it's smarter than you, but what you actually had was people just saying no. For the last eight years, ever since the Reed Pelosi Obama cabal, and that's what I'll yeah. call it, and this is the mistake that McConnell, Ryan, and Trump cannot make. <laughs> 
I'm saying it publicly, okay, when Obamacare got shoved down everybody's throats and they just started saying, no, I have a po- I have a pen and a phone. I have, you know, I'll just do this. It, that is so infuriating to yeah. the vast majority of Americans because there was no discussion. Right. It was like that's and that's that's what I was saying too. We're just being handed orders, and people are supposed to go. Well, you're, you're, well, trust me. This is going to be great. Trust me. You're going to love it. We just have to read it to find out what's in it. And it, I don't think small businesses were flourishing under eight years of Obama. It just no. they kept and they kept handing us these facts and figures like, hey, the economy. We had an uptick. We had an uptick. I don't think no, nobody ever felt it. I mean, for the love of uh, Pete, you had Chris Matthews saying it. Chris Ma- and, and I tell you what, Chris Matthews, that guy, he's on my hero list one day. He's on my shit list the next day. He's back on my hero list. That guy was the voice of reason on MSNBC. And now they're using it. It was great. I watched it live, and now they're using it in their ads for MSNBC. Have you guys seen it? No. No, I, I, I have admittedly been on kind of a cable news blackout ever since the election. <laughs> um. Chris Matthews said this wonderful thing on election night. I got home super late. It was probably three thirty in the in the morning, and and uh, you know Rachel Maddow's barely hanging in there, and Brian Williams is barely hanging in there. And Chris Matthews is like, I gotta be an optimist. I'm an optimist, and I think most Americans are optimistic. I have to think that anybody who can put together a uh, an election, uh, a team that can get him the White House must be pretty smart and maybe know some things that I don't know. So I have to be an optimist and I have to hope that if a guy is smart enough to do this, that he might make a good president. So there it is. And then he followed it up with, I have to believe that there's a pony in this pile of shit. (laughs) (laughs) They don't use that part in the ads. Did Rachel cry? No, she did not cry. That's really why I was watching. I wanted to see if Rachel Maddow was going to squirt out a couple tears. She did it earlier this week. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of crying. Rachel Maddow on TV and that Joy Reid, that Joy Reid. Oh, my God. Keep your eye on her. I I was waiting. She was like dancing on the line, just dancing on the line of encouraging the protesters. Oh, she still is. But here's the thing about the protests. And I think I know why they're happening and why they're being funded by the far progressive left. Hold up. Hold up. Do you think that's really happening? I keep seeing all these. I keep seeing all these pictures of buses outside of cities. And I'm like, absolutely. You think George Soros is paying for those? I don't know if Soros is not writing a check. Okay, there's a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of groups that he does donate to, along with a lot of other people like Bill Ayers and Tom Steyer and a bunch of rabid progressive socialist leftists. Okay. Well, I love it because it's like it's hurting their part. It's hurting their what they're saying. Go ahead. The reason the reason they're doing that, in my opinion, is for what I said earlier. There are things that Donald Trump is going to do that Bernie supporters are going to like, that Hillary Clinton supporters are going to like. He came out today. He's not touching gay marriage. We knew that. No, no. So wait a minute. Why are they? So wait. Why are they paying for the protesters? They're paying for the protesters to so that people don't hear that. They are trying to put such a level of noise 
over this election and get people so frightened and scared between 18 and 25 on college campuses in inner cities. They are trying to get people so upset and scared that they won't hear the stuff that Donald Trump is going to do or does do that they actually like. Wow. Wow. Now, here's what I'm thinking. <clears throat> There's a bunch of people protesting who just want to protest that just are very, 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 hey, very upset. There's ads out there for $1,500 <clears throat> a month. Right. However, I, I, I do think there's people, a lot of people just showing up and I can't really blame them. Like if, if I wasn't on Twitter and if I wasn't looking at WikiLeaks and if I didn't do the flip side TV show on YouTube America, you need guys put that on your DVR, please. Season three <laughs> starts in a matter of days. If I wasn't in this business and I didn't know, I put myself in their moccasins, right? I'm like, if you're just a kid a college kid and you're you're working your ass off to pay for this stuff and you're studying all the time and you occasionally look at CNN and you're getting this constant feed. Like every time you check up on the election with you and your friends and you're listening to John Stewart or or rather uh, John Oliver, and, uh, Trump is the devil himself. They have so demonized. He's homophobic. He's racist. He's xenophobic. He wants to kill Muslim babies and eat them. He is the worst. He is King Kong. And and when that guy gets elected president, you, you first of all, you're in shock. You're like, is the rest of the country this stupid? But you've been fed this line of bullshit. You've been fed these lies, and you don't even know they're lies, so it's not your fault. Then that person becomes president. I'd be flipping out. I would be flipping the fuck out. Well, well, and now and now they're all, you know, on this. The Electoral College may go. National popular vote should reign. That is the dumbest thing yeah. I've ever heard. And, and here's the intellectual disconnect that I'm trying to explain to a lot of young people that I come into contact with. If President Donald Trump scares you this much, the federal government has too much power. Yes. That, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that is, is like the, the bottom line. <laughs> I have to celebrate that because that's word economy and beautifully stated. If you are this afraid of Donald Trump, you are a libertarian. <laughs> and every in my article, I'm like, find out what you actually are. Every person I've given that test to between the ages of 16 and 27 comes in the bottom right purple corner. I love it. If you are this afraid of Donald Trump, you're a libertarian. That's fantastic. And it's not even that you're a libertarian, but you believe in the federalism system that actually the people in your state and local government should have a little bit more control over what you can and can't do and what your life looks like than Washington, D.C. Because you I can actually that. hold those people accountable. The, the other thing that like I believe that the media is largely responsible because they were so bent on stopping Trump and demonizing Donald Trump. Now he's elected. Now there's protests. And then the media is going to throw more kerosene onto the fire by like, we got to talk about these protests. And could they really make a change? Could we really get rid of the Electoral College? Well, you have to be careful what you wish for children going to school in New York City and in L.A. and in San Francisco and some of those other blue dots, okay? At some point, the company that you go to work for, like, say, Mercedes, if you're an auto engineer or some kind of engineer or marketing person, they're located in Tennessee. 
Yeah. If you eliminate the Electoral College in Tennessee, you're being ruled by a blue dot in New York, a blue dot in L.A., and a blue dot in San Francisco who knows nothing about your community and nothing about the way you live. And well, will never come by and visit because you don't not matter. Not at all because you're Go back- ahead, Andrew. Andrew well, wants to jump in. I, I do because I, I do want to make a commentary that one of the thought lines that I heard this week that actually did make a lot of sense to me was that – The fact that we had a split between the Electoral College and the popular vote shows that there is a divide. And what this does open up a conversation about is let's keep the Electoral College, but let's maybe talk about the fact that maybe some of the people who voted Republican in California, maybe their vote should count a little too, just like the folks who voted blue in Indiana – Maybe they should have a little say. Let's. I mean, where's the conversation about how the Electoral College is broken up so that Trump was essentially able to, I guess to some degree, ignore what people in New York want, ignore what people in Los Angeles want, because he looked at the map and he said, well, these states are going blue no matter what. Why should I even try campaigning there? But that's why they don't go to Texas and they don't go to Georgia, okay? But what I'm saying is... Of course, of course, of course, of course, maybe you're feeling like you didn't, he doesn't, he's not ignoring what you want, okay? You have representatives and senators, they're all Democrats, who are responsible for being your voice in Washington. The executive branch should not be so powerful that the voices of your representatives and your senators don't matter. You all allowed executive power to run completely amok under President Obama and cheered because you thought he was brilliant. Now somebody else has those reins and it terrifies you, and it should. No executive should have that much power. I read something on Twitter that I just thought was fantastic, and I'm going to paraphrase it here. said something like, uh, adults think about politics assuming the other party will win. Does that make any sense? That makes perfect sense. The minute that you start underestimating your opponent, you give them an enormous advantage. Right. So as soon as you start doing this stuff like, oh, we're going to get to do this and we're going to work out the system with us because we're in pa- we're, we're in charge. Boy, I tell you what, that sword cuts on, on both sides. You know, and, and well, and you heard a lot of – oh, sorry, Andrew. Well, that's what I was uh, starting with before. It's That's one of the reasons why you know, coming from the, the more leftist side of this, a lot of people were disappointed when Reince Priebus became chief of staff and Steve Bannon basically took on the David Axelrod role that the Obama administration had because – you are not nearly as disappointed as we were with David Axelrod. Uh, you would be surprised. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> well, this I guess I guess we're now going to open up this Pandora's box uh, of of wonderfulness. I can understand the Reince Priebus thing, right? I can understand that because he knows how it works and he's connected, and you, you need that kind of guy, right? You need that kind of guy. And then I think you you, you have to bring uh, Steve Bannon along. And I've heard some uh, <clears throat> some people say some horrible things about Steve Bannon. However, I think he was instrumental with Donald Trump. I think he's the the magic man. He's the guy behind the curtain. 
I think he's the guy who told Donald Trump, uh, trust me, when Hillary comes at you for saying you didn't pay taxes, here's what you should say. That's right. I didn't pay them. And why should I? That was your system. I played by your jacked up rules and which totally undercut her. And I think it was like Steve Bannon and that whole Breitbart crew is like, hey, do me a, do. Here's what you do. You go to Detroit, go to Detroit and 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 tell these inner city people, the Democrats just come by here at once every four years looking for a vote and you're still living in the ghetto. What do you have to lose by voting for me? I think Steve Bannon was a lot of that. I think he had his finger on the pulse of what they've branded, you know, the alt-right. But I think there was a huge – obviously there was a huge amount of Americans who were like, shut the fuck up. Stop calling me a racist. All I'm trying to do is get by in this crazy world and have a little business and make a little money. And I, I – I agree with what you're saying, Michael, except I think you're under, underestimating the role that Kellyanne Polls played. Oh, no. A lot that, of no, that that's messaging all, that's strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she she was his face to the public, and she did a fantastic job. I tell um, you what, she got she got that phone out of his hand. Yes, she, she got did. Him, <laughs> she, she got him she, to read the teleprompter. She managed him, which I think had just as much to do with it. She also was the one who planned where he went. Now, my understanding is she has opted out of a position in the administration, which I'm, I actually feel sorry about. I would love to see her in it. Um, I, I think she was a voice of reason through the entire campaign. Yeah. Now, what I'm going to say is, is this. Steve Bannon is not an anti-Semite. He is not a foaming mouth racist. He is not a lot of the things that he is being painted with. What he did do was take Breitbart and turn it into a magnet for those kinds of people. I haven't clicked on a Breitbart link in almost a year. Because it is so far removed from anything that it was when it was under Andrew Breitbart's direction. Now, there is such a thing as the alt-right that is that way. They have thought leaders. I can give you their name. They are really ugly people. We shouldn't be pandering to them. Oh, and I don't think I anybody's going to pander to the alt-right. No, that's well, no. Steve. Steve Bannon was out there saying they were going to become the hub of the alt-right at Breitbart. He has public statements that says that. I do not believe he himself is that way. He structured his website to appeal to those people. Well, listen, I, I don't want I don't want I don't want the the alt right to be I don't want this like whole neo Nazi white power thing to stick to the alt right because there's just too many people on there who are highly entertaining and talented, you know. But that, even Milo Yiannopoulos says he's not alt right. Well, then we got to come up with a cool name for some shit. We right? do. The alt right is not a cool name. It was let's call it terrible, let's, terrible places. Let's call it the Loftus Party. That's where I it like is. that That's much better. The Loftus Party. That website is kicking ass. That is, I'm so happy with it. Okay, uh, we'll talk more about the website later. So the protests. God love you for protesting. God bless. God bless the First Amendment. Stop protest, protest. People. Stop. Yes. Yeah, and stop, stop breaking stop shit. Vandalizing things, please. No, no more swastikas. No more swastikas and spray paint, please. Yes, that's tacky, and and it's not. It's well, not. You're gonna take the fear out of it. That should be like a terrifying symbol of hate, and it's becoming like. You know what I see when I see somebody has spray painted a swastika on something? I'm like, all right, somebody's setting somebody up. Somebody's trying to make somebody look bad. I immediately go to this really dubious. I doubt that. I doubt that was really put there by some white power dude. 
Well, and, and, and I think that's the danger. And I mean, we talked about it months ago on this podcast, you know, when you call Senator John McCain a Nazi and you call Mitt Romney a Nazi, and then all of a sudden, you know, Laura Ingram is a Nazi. When you use that word, that word, it's almost like me being called a racist for eight years. I disagree wholeheartedly with 98% of Barack Obama's agenda. Okay, it has nothing to do with the fact that he's black. It has to do with I'm not aggressive. I know I heard it for eight years. And now when people say it to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, you just want to shut me up because you don't have a legitimate argument. Okay, speed round. If Trump would have lost, do you think there's the protests? Yes. Do you think there's violence Uh, in the streets? Yes. I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't. I honestly don't know. I mean, I think maybe I think maybe. Obama was not popular with the political right and his second election. He was even less popular with the Tea Party. You had the Tea Party holding signs. You had the Tea Party marching on the mall. But you know what? The mall was cleaner when they left than it was when they got there. People on the right don't tend to protest the same way that the left has been protesting for the last three to four years. And here's what I think. Like, I'm not prepared to go to jail for Donald Trump. <laughs> no. You know, and, and I have a job I need to go to. So, like, I can protest on, like, Saturday and for a little bit on Sunday. But I got shit to do on and you're Monday. And you're going to bring a lawn chair. You're probably going to have your phone with you. I mean, yeah. you're going to be gonna tweeting need to, pictures of them all. I mean, And I got to talk to my accountant about where to fucking hide my money because taxes <laughs> are about to get horrible. But, I mean, all I'm saying is you saw protests as to the outcome of the election and – you saw them beginning in 2010, and you saw them through about 2013. Yeah. And they were done by the Tea Party. And then the Tea Party did something really productive. They got a bus, <laughs> and they went around the country, and they talked to people. <laughs> I love the Tea Party. I don't want that thing to end. I think those are some good people. Well, I, and the here's- problem is it had no national structure, but I'm saying these groups got together and they went to Iowa and they went to rural Pennsylvania and they went to Texas and they went here and they went there and they worked with candidates and they talked to people about what their message was and what happened in 2010, 2012, 2014. Look Ba-boom. at a map. <laughs> That's the funny thing. That is the state legislatures and governorships. Here's what I want to hear. Here's what I want Obama to say. I want Obama to come out and say, I understand you guys are protesting and that's cool, but stop breaking shit. And then I want him to say, a few years ago, I got up in front of America and I said, if you want to change stuff, start winning more elections. Start winning more elections. Well, that's what we did. We played by the rules. We played by the rules. We won the House and the Senate, and you were like, well, that didn't really count. That didn't really count because my people didn't vote. And now we've won the presidency. So – you told us to win more elections, and we did. So, uh, and I tell you, here's what I, I wish I knew what, what happened in the uh, Donald Trump meets uh, Barack Obama meeting. You know that little meet and greet where it was supposed to go for like 15 minutes and then it went for 90 minutes? Wouldn't you love to know what they were talking about? Well, some I mean, of it there has was come out. Yeah, I mean, there was positive feedback that came out of it. It did not sound contentious. It did not sound – I mean, it honestly sounded like Donald Trump asked a lot of questions, which is well, a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's never been it, in government before. It would have been hysterical if Barack Obama had a fake – birth certificate and he's like dude i'm from kenya you fucking nailed it 
there's actually memes going around social media of Joe Biden with his arm around Obama going, just leave an envelope in the drawer that says secret real birth certificate. Oh, yeah. Secret <laughs> envelope. And inside you have a fake birth certificate that says you were born in yeah. Kenya. What do you think? What do you think they were talking about, Andrew? Um, from what it sounds like, I want to echo what Stacy said. It sounds like Trump was asking a lot of questions. Uh, in fact, one of the things that's come out quite a bit was that Trump didn't realize to what extent he has to staff the White House. And I'm guessing yeah. there was probably some conversation about Trump being schooled on why he can't be spending a couple of days in New York or a couple of days playing golf in Mar-a-Lago every week. I, you know, it, he, he is the president. He is the president for all of us. But when it comes to being president, you got to live in Washington, D.C., and you got to do the job for at least four years. And you well, can only here. golf every other weekend. Exactly. Well, now, here's the other two things that really need to get solved and very publicly and very cleanly, very quickly. Okay. Number one is what are you doing about the family business? You can't be involved. Thank you. (laughs) Um, That's as dangerous because of what the Trump family business is. That's as dangerous as the Clinton Foundation. Now, now Donald Trump is asking that his three children who rumor has it will be running a blind trust that is the Trump organization okay that their father can't see into all right he wants them to have top security clearance that's a no thank you right <laughs> they have yeah. no role in the administration no well they can so, have a, they can have a role in the administration no i'm not no. even a big fan of that no n- not if i'm really are, not if you are actively involved in a business then you have exact one-on-one connection to the guy at the top who can Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying you that I'm make... saying they could they can quit they could they can quit the business if they're going to work for the administration. Yeah, that's but like fine. But I mean, I even had a problem. The Kennedys did that. But John Kennedy was like, "Hey Bob, why don't you why hey little Bobby, why don't you come in here and be the justice guy for me?" And then Stacy, I mean, the general. Stacy, correct me if I'm wrong, issue. but isn't there aren't there laws on the books that keep certain nepotistic appointments out of uh the White House like that? I I believe there are, and some of it had to do with the Kennedys. But um, the the other thing, you know, there was some thing floating around initially that Jared Kushner, who is a very intelligent man, he's a publisher, he owns The Observer, he's into a lot of things. He was part of a massive data operation that probably also impacted Trump's success. And Trump trusts him very much. It's his son-in-law. It's Ivanka's wife or husband, excuse me, um, that he might have been chief of staff or this chief strategist person, but then he would be married to Ivanka, who's running this blind trust. Like, you can't do that kind of stuff. Right. And all all that will get shut down and and poo-pooed, and I'm not worried about that. I want to focus on the good news of all of this. And here is, to me, the good news. You have the New York Times... Whoever runs the New York Times came out with some big letter pretty much saying – and I'm paraphrasing here, so send your angry letters to uh, Freedom Gypsy um, <laughs> at AOL. I, I get your angry letters. <laughs> I don't know. But the New York Times came out and said, hey, we kind of lost our way. We, we did get kind of lopsided in our coverage, and we are going to rededicate ourselves to being – awesome news people again and we're going to be journalists and we're just going to call it the way we this the way it really is we're going to start reporting on facts which that's kind of good kind of bad however 
I think, and it, just like I predicted a couple years ago on the Flipside Television Show, season three, starting soon, U2 America, just as I said on that, if a Republican wins the White House, investigative journalism is going to make a huge comeback. I think journalists have lost so much of their street cred that they have to do like real journalists will suddenly be get popular and real investigative journalists, the Cheryl Atkinson's of the world and the other good journalists will do well. Now, as to the, the Trump presidency, here is the good news. A bunch of big high rolling muckety mucks in the Republican Party turned their back on Donald Trump. And so I don't think that there's a big fan base. He'll work with them if he has to. I swear this dude is a free ball right now. If he thinks it's in the best idea, if it's the best idea for the country, that's what he's going to do. And he is going to reach across the aisle and put together some Democrats and put together some Republicans and things will happen. And if they don't, he will out people and people on the far right might lose their shit. And people on the far left, hopefully will be pleasantly surprised. And hopefully I am so optimistic and hopeful about this. I think you have to go back to George Washington, to a guy who doesn't owe anybody anything and just wants to do what's best for the country. If he's right, he's right. And if he's wrong, he's going to be way wrong. But we'll have journalists, hopefully, to, to guard us and, and look out for us the way they're supposed to do. We are – we could be – I'm not saying it's going to be. I'm saying it could be like a, a a golden age of American politics. It could just shake up everything and be the best thing that ever happened. Well, and that's what, I, what I'm saying. He's non-ideological. Now, the other real bonus we have is Harry Reid is gone. Now, I agree with very little Chuck Schumer says, but you can work with him. Harry Reid, you couldn't work with anymore. So, I, I mean, I think there's some upside. I think Nancy Pelosi's scared to death, which is a good thing. Yeah, she kind of needs to be right. So, I mean, I think I think we I don't think Nancy Pelosi is as strong in her um, as strong in her convictions without Harry Reid. So that those two aren't working together anymore, I think, is a great thing. Um, But in being non-ideological, I absolutely I absolutely believe he's going to work across the aisle. And here's what I think the benefit to that is as well. People who are centrists sort of, which makes up a huge population of independents and non-party affiliates in this country, okay, are going to be like, oh my God, they're finally getting something done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, and the far right might be upset and the far left might be upset, but you know what? They're the far right and the far left for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, They don't represent a majority of people. I am very, I'm very optimistic about the whole thing i'm bummed about celebrities being so i'm bummed that so many people are are terrified and frightened i love what you said about if you're this scared then you don't you're not a big fan of uh big government and uh and executive powers i'm also bummed we didn't uh oh i wanted to do this thing about beyonce and jay-z i loved it that hillary had the jay-z and beyonce come out and then beyonce god bless her she comes out in a pantsuit, and she has the dancers in pantsuits, and those things, nobody looks good in that shit. If Beyonce, <laughs> if Beyonce can't look good in a pantsuit, they just need to stop making those things. They nasty. They nasty. Yeah, Samantha B doesn't either. Oh, golly. 
Oh, God. Samantha B and John Oliver. John Oliver devoted like his entire show to railing on Trump. And uh, that's he. you're better than that. You got it. You got to continue on. If, if the left wants to learn something, actually learn something, they all need to watch the viral video from Jonathan Pye. Jonathan Pye is the one person on the left I heard that got it right. And you've probably seen this video, actually. He, he's a British guy who's in the process of putting on a tuxedo while he's essentially ranting about why Hillary Clinton was the wrong candidate. Well, yeah. No, he's not how, just, how do you spell? How do you spell about that? He's ranting about why the left lost. P.I.E. Like the P.I.E. Really? Yeah. All right. I mean, he was ranting about, number one, he was much like Michael Moore. Michael Moore saw this coming. Michael Moore called it when people on the right couldn't call it. Michael Moore knows the people in Michigan. He heard what they were saying. He doesn't like it, but he called it. I tell you what. I tell you what. There is Ann Coulter called it, and there's a great clip of her on Bill Maher's show going, I think it's going to be Donald Trump, and she just got humiliated. The the laughter and the mocking was really over the top. Uh, And however, she called it on the flip side. And Andrew and Stacy, we're going to have to figure out when we want to put that interview on. But when I interviewed Ann Coulter last summer, Andrew, what was that, June? Yeah, that was uh, June of uh, 2015, yeah. She comes around the corner. I haven't seen the footage in a long time. I know, Andrew, you've been editing it and looking at it. I don't know if you've looked at the, the Ann Coulter oh, segment. No, I've, I've absolutely looked at it. And she she came she comes in that room and she gives me a giant hug. And she's like, we did it. We did it. We did it. Did, did that happen or was I just dreaming that? No, no. Uh, I mean, essentially, here's what happened. Uh, and we will see this in the upcoming third season. Uh, back in 2015, we had Ann Coulter on the show. Uh, earlier this year, we shot an interview with her before the election. And in the 2015 interview, she was explaining everything that happened in this year's election, just down to the wire about why Donald Trump is going to win. And like I said earlier, to the victor go the spoils. She was right. Well, it's very interesting, and I find it – and no one's going to have this kind of – this is like a once in a lifetime kind of a deal, you know, all the, all, and I, I think it's very funny. And I tweeted this out at Flipside Loftus the other day. I tweeted out uh, they should have political pundits need to take a break for a little while. They should just have the dude who changes your oil at Jiffy Lube because that guy probably knows more about what's really going on in politics. The same pundits, the George Wills and the uh, oh, my God, the Bill Crystals of it all. Uh, who were just going to just rejoice in Trump's demise. Like, those people are still talking. There's, like, the people who didn't understand this from fucking Jump Street are now going to tell us what's going to happen. Well, here's what's going to happen. Go fuck yourself. You don't matter anymore. Just unbelievable. The balls on these people. The balls. It's hilarious. Well, being one of those detestable individuals that would have voted for no one before voting for either of the candidates, um, and I mean that, I would have left it blank like 110,000 people in Minnesota did. That actually happened, and it happened all over the country. Okay, There was not a lot of, yes, I'm voting for this person on either side. It was, I'm not voting for him or for her to save my life, and exit polling confirms that. So what... I would say is I would not have rejoiced if Hillary Clinton won, and I don't believe the vast majority of those people would have rejoiced either. Um, 
it was it was a difficult election for a lot of people, and there's a lot of election fatigue out there. Um, and I think, like I said at the beginning of the show, or maybe I said it before we got on air, the entire country, not just the political punditry, needs to take a collective Xanax, and they need to go see Doctor Strange. They need to go see Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. They need to plan a Thanksgiving dinner where talk of politics is prohibited. <laughs> Because we've all just had enough, and we just need to wait and see what's going to happen. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's let's wait and see. And the the big takeaway, the big like, somebody needs to skywrite this shit. Like hire a plane. It'd be expensive because it's a lot of letters. But if you're that terrified of Donald Trump as president, you you, you have extremely different political beliefs than you think you do. <laughs> yes. Please take if, this if test because you're actually a libertarian. Yes. If you're terrified <laughs> by the executive branch this much, you should rethink your Democratic uh, voting card. Yes. Uh, people should go see Dr. Strange. Just really quickly. This is going to be lightning round. We like to keep this show tight. And and in the future, ladies and gentlemen, we will endeavor to do – I always want to do political stuff in this kind of a tone, and I, I always want to do entertainment stuff. However, this is our big uh, post-election you know, splatazoid, throw, throw it all against the wall. However, uh, Doctor Strange, I saw it. Hopefully you'll see it in 3D. I've got some problems with the script. Just as a writer, there's a few things. We'll talk about it next week. It'll probably, So if you haven't seen Doctor Strange yet, go see it. However, see it in three dimensions. That is the only way. If you see this movie as a regular movie, you're ripping yourself off. It's really? Spectac- it's spectacular. Remember those scenes in Inception where the, the cityscape would slowly change? Mm-hmm. They do that on a on a whole nother level on Doctor Strange. It's it's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's spectacular. It's like um, uh, Life of Pi. That movie you have to see it in three D. It's a much much better film in three dimensions. And Doctor Strange is some really good three D. Awesome. I haven't seen a three D movie in years. You saw Avatar in three D, right? No. Okay. You ripped yourself off. Here's what I want you to do, Stacy. Andrew, you need to do this, too. And and everyone listening to the show, this is not a plug for this company. I I guess it is a plug for the company. Get yourself a PlayStation 4. Your PlayStation 4 is going to do Netflix. It can do Hulu. It can do all this other stuff beyond gaming. It is also a Blu-ray player. The other thing it can do is play 3D Blu-rays, right? Then you get yourself a pair of universal 3D glasses. They're like 20 bucks. You can watch. If your TV can do 3D movies, you are in shape. You are going to love your couch and your ass sitting on that couch watching movies in 3D. It'll blow your mind. Even when you go back and look at old movies like Finding Nemo, where they make it 3D, even though it wasn't 3D when it first came out, it's unbelievable. Really? PlayStation 4. Make sure your TV – yeah, make sure your TV can do 3D, right? Because you maybe have an older model television. And, oh, Jesus, go to Best Buy. They're practically giving away these Sony TVs, these huge flat screens that do 3D. You get your Sony TV, your Sony PlayStation, your $20 glasses, and you are good to go. I've been screaming it from the mountaintops for, for years now, and it is, it's, it's so much more than a gaming system. Netflix, PlayStation 4, Hulu, PlayStation 4. It's wonderful. We should get money from those people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, the other interesting glasses I saw were the Snapchat glasses. Oh, yes. A new way to send a dick pic. Yeah, well, I don't know. Stop it. Now, hold on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I I like Snapchat. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Snapchat guy. Is that the one where the picture disappears? Yeah. Once you send mm-hmm. it to someone, the picture or video can last between one and ten seconds, and after that, uh, it goes away forever. But can't somebody take a screenshot of yep. your picture? Yes. Oh, yes, okay. they can. And there's also yeah. a one-time replay. Like, if you saw thought you saw something really cool, they will let you replay one snap every day, one time. If there was a way... If there was a way to send dirty pictures over the internet and not, and you knew that no one else would see them except for the person they were intended for, that would be awesome. There is. <laughs> yes, but Stacy, if we try to explain it right now, this is going to turn into a four-hour podcast. No, 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 no. It's a very simple app. I've used it before, not to do that, but it's an encrypted. Oh, bummer! No, it's an encrypted app messaging app because when you have a company phone. You don't necessarily want to be texting your friends and having a bunch of personal stuff in your regular text messages, so you get an encrypted texting map. See, here's the app. here's the deal. I think somebody can get in there. Whoever whoever has the app can get in there. I'm talking about magic, I guess. I'm talking about Harry Potter here's stuff. The thing. You're not talking about magic. It exists. It exists. These the messages self destruct in whatever time you put on it. It's called Wicker. It, the messages self-destruct, and if somebody takes a screenshot of your picture, you know it, and you can call them on it. Okay, so then they still have a picture of my junk. And you can call them on it, and you know who took it, and you could say, hey, delete that shit. Or and they're going to say, no, it. I got a picture of your junk, and your future ends here. Or you can just <laughs> make it so that it goes away in just one second, and then they don't have time to take a screenshot. No one's that fast, unless you're the but flash. Listen, okay. You guys are like in the science of it. I'm telling you, it, it would have to be a way where you just knew like the person who's getting the person I'm sending it to can look at it as long as they want. But it like they can never show it to anybody else. It's um, it's it's science fiction. All right, is what Carlos I'm Danger. We, we understand. All right. <laughs> OK, so we're going to segue. We're going to get to more. Uh, I'll talk about Doctor Strange next week. I want to talk about the I saw the trailer for Beauty and the Beast. And God bless Hermione. That girl looks great. That looks like I, I'm gonna. Enjoy, it looks like I'm gonna enjoy that movie. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Andrew, you were talking about this before we got started. There's a live action Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, it's like now. There's a lot of controversy about this movie because it's a primarily Asian cast, and they cast Scarlett Johansson in the lead. And there were some CGI techniques they tried to uh, what they called yellow wash some of the extras which isn't cool you you can google that if you want to check it out but all i can tell you is this trailer looks awesome like this is the spiritual successor to what the matrix was trying to create like like, i love it i'm gonna take it one step further for you all right Remember back with the old Christopher Reeve movie where they said uh, with Superman, you'll believe a man can fly. And then you go back and you watch that today and you compare it to The Matrix. You're like, okay, those effects were really good, but we've come so much further. And this is like the new standard. Watching Ghost in the Shell on my laptop, that is the new standard. I love it. I love it. All right. So I'm going to look at that. We'll talk about that next week. I'm sure there's going to be more policy stuff from Donald Trump. We'll get into uh, more of his cabinet positions, all of that stuff. It's going to be wonderful. There's going to be more politics. There will always be a open and free and fun discussion of politics here. And we're going to dive into some more movie stuff. And I want 
I want I want bigger celebrity meltdowns. I'm not I'm not feeling I'm not. There's got to be someone. Someone's got to really move. I think someone's got to at least pretend to move. And I want to talk about whoever that person is. So let's segue. You know, like somebody's got to somebody's going to go to Canada and like, I'm really I meant it. No, they're not. But hopefully by next week, we can completely make fun of the left for ever having an issue with Steve Bannon if they place Ellison as their TNC chair. Oh boy! Oh yeah! I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's going to be a course correction for those guys. All right. So let's do some Michael Topias real quick. I like. We're we're at least attempting to keep it tight. This has been a great, great show. Make sure. Oh, before I forget, make sure you go to the Facebook page uh, for the flip side. It's you. You can find it. The flip side with Michael Loftus on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Wonderful things are happening. I'll make it very easy for you. Just go to theloftestparty.com. Sign up. We're not going to spam you and do a lot of bullshit, but there's so many wonderful things happening at theloftestparty.com. It's effing stupid. Okay. We got a news feed. We got articles. We got the Daily Dose. It's awesome. It, it is. There's videos. There's podcasts. There's new podcasts coming in. We've got some great writers. It's I'm so excited about the future. It's really, really insane. Okay, so Michael Topias. Here's the way Michael Topia works, uh, fans. You, uh, in in the real world, there's crazy laws that make no sense. In Michael Topia, there's laws that make all the sense in the world, and everything is wonderful. So let's go to Michael Topia now. Who's got one for me? All right, I'm going to start off with one. All right, and, and okay. All right, now I'm warning you. This is a little off the reservation, okay? <laughs> all right. Okay. So, all right. In Michaeltopia, we will never have an email scandal again from the government because there will be one server. It will be the most secure server ever. And every email that the federal government has passes through this server. And there's not going to really be much need for any security. Do you know why? Because those people are working for us. And we get to look at those emails whenever we want. I am down with that almost all the way. But just like I, I love the idea of it, the, the the idea of it. I think there should be more than one server, though. And I think they should have different operating systems. The American people should be able to check on them all the time. However, the the thing about 9-11, like the FBI couldn't talk to the CIA and the CIA. They were on different systems and blah, blah, blah. It seemed horribly clunky. And, and bad. However, no one could ever have like the magic key to one server. Do you know what I'm saying? If you, if the CIA got hacked, well, the FBI didn't because they were on a different system. So I think there's – I love what you're saying, uh, and it's like the magic naked picture thing. Yes, if there was one magic server, that would be the best. However, uh, that would kind of scare me. I think you need like four or five different servers that are different operating systems, blah, 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 blah. But that's all I know about technology. There can't be one in a bathroom in Denver anymore. That's true. That, that, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a bad thing. <laughs> what do you got for Michael Topia, Stace? In Michaeltopia, every time you eat a chocolate cake, it should come warm and very, very, very um, gooey. This is your birthday cake. Happy birthday. Yes, it is. I had the I've like been on a sugar rush this entire show. Um, so I apologize if I was a little chatty, but uh, I just want to give a shout out during Michaeltopia to a man named Wayne Weaver. He goes by Bull. Uh, he makes the crew a birthday cake every birthday, and he delivers it to your house hot from the oven. And let me tell you, that should be a service in Michaeltopia. I love it. Okay. 
Uh, I'm jealous. I'm completely jealous. Here comes mine. I'm going to do just like three in a row. Ready? Ready. Okay. In Michaeltopia, there are no more pantsuits. No one looks good in a pantsuit. We're going to stop making them. Like I said earlier, Beyonce tried to rock one. That girl has got a smoking hot bod. If that chick doesn't look good in a pantsuit, stop making them. Okay. In Michaeltopia, you're not allowed to say you called it, you knew Trump would be president unless you are actually on record as saying that shit. And I can go back and verify these people are coming out of the woodwork now. I saw it. I called it. I saw it. I knew it. No, you didn't. Or you weren't on any station I was watching and I was watching a ton of them. If you actually called it, I'd love to talk to you. Okay, last one in Michaeltopia. There are no spoilers in the foreword of a book by the dude who wrote the book. I just started reading Lonesome Dove, and there's a foreword written by the author, and there's, like, spoilers in the foreword. You're not allowed to do that. Why would you do that? This is (laughs) one of the great – I'm barely into this thing, and I am in, you guys. I am in. It's like I touched my first tit. It's fantastic. It is a great piece of American literature. However, I feel like the guy ruined the story by saying, that hey, this why, happens. That is why we have a no spoilers rule on the Loftus party. If that we write correct. about a movie, we are not going to tell you what happens in the movie. I have one more. Okay, um, I love it. In Michaeltopia, Lena Dunham is not allowed to be a spokesperson for any political movement. Oh, thank <laughs> God. <laughs> Like, and, and he, what has she done now? Well, she and the Democratic National Committee and uh, Matt McGorry have teamed up for the truth team. Um, they're going to be rapping and fact checking, and they call it the rapping fact check for the digital age. This has to be a joke. This no, it's not. I swear to God, I've seen it in like 10 different places. Is she is she just on self destruct? Is that what it is? Standing up for everything that is wrong with what represents the left. She has been handed the title of the voice of the millennials. And yeah, (laughs) it's not like that. (laughs) I don't agree with it. But because girls was such a knockout hit and the people who are her disciples uh, follow her so tightly, there are those within the media who actually believe that she speaks for all millennials and me being the same age as her. I can tell you that beyond anything that she wrote in the first season of her show, she is nothing but an entitled overprivileged writer who does not know what it was actually like to work for anything a day in her life now this i know it's a long episode i know it i know it and i apologize you guys however however i think we're gonna have to supersize it there's not a lot here i want to cut this is the perfect bookend it's beautiful this is why it is the um, our system is built Uh, There's checks and balances built in. So if one person gets too much power, somebody will stop them, yada, yada, yada. And Lena Dunham, in my opinion right now, is the poster child for absolute power corrupts absolutely. When you get hoisted up like that and you are the voice of these people and and and, and people are – you feel like, oh, they're looking to me for answers and you start doing crazy shit. Well, hopefully people will recognize it and and call you down. However, I'll say this uh, for Lena Dunham and Andrew, you kind of touched on it. That first season of Girls was great. 
Like at, once upon a time, she was a talented writer and she took chances. And I loved I loved the way uh, she wrote dialogue. It it felt real. It felt like this is how people talked, and it was wonderful. But she started believing her own bullshit, and that's super dangerous. And uh, dangerous for her because now she's going to be a, a fact-checking rapper. <laughs> well, and, and, and I mean, half of what she goes out there and does is not representative of millennials at all. <laughs> yeah, and and something's really uh, and they're this is, not swinging from the Planned Parenthood yippee kaye rope. Most millennials are like, yeah, we kind of need some limits on all that. And there's something I think broken in her. There's something wrong. Like she needs a hug. Something, she, but like her letter, I read her open letter about her election night experience, and she and her boyfriend couldn't stop crying, and she went home and was crying in the shower, and she always manages to get she always manages to get nudity in there somewhere, and I'm pro nudity, I'm all for nudity. If Lena Dunham wants to get naked, go for it, I don't care. But like every time, like even when like I thought it was weird, like she's like Hillary Clinton lost, and it broke my heart, so I went home and I I took off my clothes, I'm like whoa, <laughs> like you don't have to get naked in everything you do, Lena. It was funny. Yeah, it and, was funny to me. And, and Stacey, I, and again, I do want to back up. If you're crying, Lena, if you're crying because Donald Trump won, the federal government is too big. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, what were you going to say? Well, what were you going to say? I was just going to comment that I, I agree with you to a certain point because the truth of the matter is most millennials don't believe that Lena Dunham is the be all end all, especially when it comes to all the excessive nudity. I mean, most of us just want to be left alone. You know, if you want birth control, you should have access to birth control. And to get super controversial, I'm sorry, if you really do believe in personal freedoms, then you got to back off about abortion. If someone believes that that is the way, you shouldn't be the one to take that away from them, unfortunately. And if that's something... Well, go ahead. I tell you what... Here's here's what I like about the way things are the way the political winds are shifted about abortion. I got no problem with it not being convenient, safe, like, legal and rare. That's Bill Clinton. I totally that, agree with him. I am down with that. I am <laughs> down with that. It shouldn't be like, oh, I guess I'll just go kill this kid. It's right around the corner. Twenty bucks. The government will help pay for yeah, it. Nor no, should it be. I'm going to put a shot of digoxin in a full term baby's heart up in New York State. No, no, no. Right. No, no, no. And it shouldn't be in a back alley with a rusty hanger, all that no. stuff. However, a great deal of thought should go into it. A great deal of thought. Yeah. Uh, I don't mostly, want any... mostly out of concern for women because using that on a regular basis when there are much better methods not to have a child can really ruin you later. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, there's um, a great deal of thought needs to go into that. This absolutely. was a great show, you guys. I really wish we could have gotten to more Doctor Strange stuff. And it's just, we had to we had to dig into Trump. And I think I think we did it in a wonderful fashion. I've never been so excited. Well, yeah. and I. I, I I mean, I can't say that I'm like super stressed. It's just that there's so much mm. coming out right now. I was talking about the show. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why there's any reason not to be kind of like, okay, this thing is going to unfold, and you know what? We're probably all going to be all right. I, I swear, you you got to <laughs> copyright that. You got to copyright that slogan. If you're that terrified of Donald Trump, you're a libertarian. I love it. Can I That's, make it? Can I make a T-shirt? Absolutely. Sell that shit on the LoftusParty.com. <laughs> you know, you know, I've been wearing my, um, I've been taking my my satchel to work with me every day. Yeah. I get so many compliments on that thing. It's stupid. I'm not kidding you. 
It's the one. It's the it's the beige like shoulder bag that my laptop goes in and all my writing stuff. And it's got the sweet, the flying tiger, breathing fire, life, liberty, and the pursuit of some serious happiness. People love that thing. You got. Oh my gosh, Christmas! Christmas is coming up. We have the best tagline in the world. Who doesn't want to do that? Pimping some serious liberty. That one. No, no, no. We're in the pursuit of life, liberty, and some serious happiness. Who doesn't want to do that? I swear. I think a lot of people do. And and hopefully they want one of these shoulder bags because those things are badass. <laughs> and we should also have a T-shirt that says, if you're this terrified of Donald Trump, you're a libertarian. <laughs> you guys, it was a great oh. show. It was so much fun. And um, uh, once again, and this is no bullshit, like I'm totally thrilled to be an American. And even if you despise... Donald Trump, and he is the worst person on planet Earth. You, you'll survive. You'll you'll find a way. You'll get up, and you'll just. It's like Michael Caine. What is? Why do we fall down, Master Bruce? So we can pick ourselves up again. Shall I get the Lamborghini? Isn't that eerie? That's really good. That's my <laughs> That's Michael. That's really Caine. awesome. Shall I get the Lamborghini? Michael Caine gets emotional. He goes up here, and then he gets what? down here. Are, are, are we doing dueling Michael Caines? Is it dueling the, Michael Caines. Is it the, the, the trip? Is it? Uh, uh, it is. I love that shit. That was so fantastic. So, thanks for listening to LoftusParty.com. I'm Michael Caine. I listen all the time. I go down here when I talk about the webcast. And I, talk, I, I got Australian for a second. <laughs>